It is College Fantasy Tonight presented by CampusToCan.com. That was week one. Ohio State, Notre Dame just went final. Lots of action going on tonight. I don't even think that we can cover it all. If you like what it is that we're doing, if you like that the content that we're putting out, go ahead and drop this video a like and hit that subscribe button so you never miss any of our shows. we got the tailgate in the morning. we got Better Sports Network starting at 8 a.m. And then, of course, we got College Fantasy tonight, what you're watching right now or listening later on on the podcast. We start every College Fantasy tonight with the rundown. And let's get started tonight with Sam Houston at Texas A&M. Barnabas Lee covered this one for us. We thought that there would be some potential for fantasy goodness in this one, particularly with uh, uh, Evan Stewart, with Devin Achain, with Arian Smith. Haynes King, Barnabas, gets the start over LSU transfer Max Johnson and the five-star freshman Connor Wegman. He did not look great before the weather delay. Yeah, for sure. It was definitely a sluggish start for the Texas A&M offense. And uh, other than some long TDs that were one of the very few and far in between uh, accurate passes from Haynes King, um, the offense just couldn't get into rhythm because uh, his accuracy was all over the place. Honestly, he was missing open receivers, and he should have thrown more interceptions if the San Houston State defensive backs had any better ball skills. Um, the weather delay at halftime probably did a little bit of good for them, but not not that much because um, their physical game up front also uh, caused problems in the rushing game as well. Uh, Haynes King ended the day uh, 20 for 31 with 364 pass yards, uh, three touchdowns, and only two interceptions, which honestly was a surprise at that point. <laughs> Uh, Devin A. Chain had a rough going of it, 18 rushes for 42 yards, and but he saved his fantasy day with a touchdown. And uh, Aeneas Smith, uh, who uh, we may not have seen as much of as much of a threat as he was today, um, ended the day with six catches, 164 yards, and two touchdowns. And both of those touchdowns were fairly long ones at 64 and six, uh, 43 as yards. So uh, good day for him. This is a, a team that has a lot of speed. We'll probably see better days between Chris Marshall, the freshman, and Evan Stewart. This wasn't their particular day. Uh, Barnabas, you also covered Utah State at Alabama for us. Lots of moving pieces, lots of new pieces in this game. You got uh, JoJo Earl in the slot. You got him going down with the injury. Ja'Cory Brooks not starting in this in this one. Of course, they add the transfers, Jameer Gibbs and uh, Jermaine Burton from the national champion, Georgia Bulldogs. What did you see from Alabama today? Who was relevant? Who who did their thing today? Yeah, uh, so Bryce Young, as expected, looked absolutely immaculate. His only mistake He ran was the ball. He ran the ball today. He ran he the ball. Runs. He did. Uh, he, his only mistake was losing track of one blitzer, and uh, Nick Saban really chewed him out for that one, so I'm sure he'll learn from it. Um, he really needs to work on protecting himself. As he ran the ball, he was, uh, you know, diving head first instead of, you know, diving with his feet first. Uh, but he really showed why he's one of the top QBs in the country today. Um, it was a blowout, so it was fairly even production. Uh, Bryce Young hit eight different receivers during his time, um, and he, he didn't play practically at all in the second half. Um, we got to see a little bit of Jalen Milrose, and that was cool. Um, interesting to note, Javier Gibbs got the first touches from the backfield, but Jace McClellan had plenty of uh, touches as well, and um, both on the ground and through the air. And, uh, you know, as a draft person, I have to add defensive ends, Dallas Turner and Will Anderson really shut down that uh, Utah State offense early. So Utah State was subbing out Logan Bonner and even Lagab by the second half. And so um, a lot of lot of backups going in here. Bryce Young finishes the day uh, 18 of 28, 195 yards, uh, five touchdowns, five touch, first half touchdowns. Um, he also had five rushes for 100 yards and added a touchdown on the ground. Um, like I said, Jameer Gibbs got the first touches out of the backfield. He had nine rushes for 93 yards. Um, Jason McClellan also had a great day. Um, interesting to note, the, the receiving production was fairly even across the board. Uh, Treshawn Holden, Kobe Prentice, Jermaine Burton all had five receptions each, uh, with 70, 60, and 35 yards respectively. Um, Treshawn Holden and Jermaine Burton each had two touchdowns, and Jason McClellan also had two touchdowns on two catches and 25 yards receiving. Interesting to note here for future seasons, or uh, Jace McClellan, the backup over Roydell Williams, over Trey Sanders, uh, Jalen Milrow, the backup over Ty Simpson. And so we'll probably see better days from Jameer Gibbs, from Jermaine Burton and company, but it's good to see at least uh, uh, Jace McClellan back healthy after being injured last season. Barnabas, we'll come back to you later in the show to talk about the NFL 
draft segment. We appreciate it. That brings us to Oregon, Georgia. Now, we thought that this game was going to be uh, one that we really wanted to pay attention to, and we did right up until it started because it was not close uh, thereafter. Oregon absolutely blitzed in in this game 49-3. We thought that Oregon could produce some fantasy get some fantasy-relevant production between the likes of Troy Franklin, Byron Cardwell, Deontay Thornton, even uh, Jordan James, the freshman running back, is a personal favorite of mine. But this offense produced just three points, twenty down 28-3 at the half. You got to question whether or not Bo Nix is going to be the answer for Dan Lanning. Um, I've always questioned that particular decision. But if it's not going to be Bo Nix, and we've had two coaches now, not um, uh, start Ty Thompson. You have to wonder whether or not they have the answer in quarter at quarterback position, at least for this year. Dante Moore won't be there until January, until the spring. But uh, but for, for right now, Oregon was overmatched uh, uh, in this one. On the other side of the ball, we like to think of Georgia as this ground and pound team. Use lots of backs, not tonight 37 pass attempts for stetson bennett the legend of stetson lives on uh 368 yards passing two touchdowns the elephant in the room has to be kenny mcintosh who we here at campus to canton probably don't have ranked high enough he was the bulldogs leading receiver yes the leading receiver coming out of the backfield uh, we talk so much about kendall milton we talk so much about andrew paul and branson robinson but kenny mcintosh was the starter and um, uh, got a lot of snaps today. We might need to consider what his fantasy value is. We might need to consider what his Debbie value is. Kendall Milton adds eight for 50 and one touchdown. He also had a touchdown catch, I believe. Darnell Washington didn't catch a touchdown, but had some uh, flashy catches where he's breaking through tacklers. Didn't see a ton of Eric Gilbert, the five-star tight end in this one, so we'll probably see more from him later on. Branson Robinson did add two carries for 13 yards. And uh, Lad McConkey, why don't we don't have any respect for this guy? Lad McConkey, five catches, 73 yards, one touchdown. Also added two rushes for 16 yards in a touchdown. It's time to start giving Lad McConkey uh, some of his due. All right, that brings us to Boston College in Miami. Miami, of course, bringing in Mario Cristobal, bringing in Josh Gaddis from Michigan. So the question was, after they lose the Sunny Dykes offense last year with Rhett Lashley, what's their offense going to look like this year, bringing in Josh Gaddis from Michigan? Mike Felix, Gallery. they played Bethune, not Boston College, just so you know. Bethune, Boston College. Bethune, Cookman. Thank you for producing. Thank you. Uh, Bethune, Cookman, not, not Boston College. Mike Valerie. Um, what did the offense look like under the new offensive coordinator in this one? Mike Valerie, of course, having technical issues. We'll get his audio here here working. You got it, Mike? I got it. Thank you so All much right, for the introduction here. Go, Mike Valerie Jr., but today I am a senior Debbie analyst here for Campus Ken. I also thought it was Boston College, so I was a little upset turning on the TV to find out it was Bethune versus Miami. Now, to get going, we had a lot of questions coast to coast about Miami. Tyler Van Dyke, who is he going to be this year? What's going to go on now? Tyler Van Dyke looked to keep the same magic alive going as last year. He went 13 for 16, 193, and two touchdowns. Now, he did have a fumble. Okay, it happens. Rushing, one carry, negative three yards. Nothing really there on the ground. He is being rumored to having a path to first-round draft capital. Now, this isn't a really good defense to play against, but this is a really good indicator, and I'm excited to see where he goes next. I'm going to roll into the next quarterback, though, which is going to be Jake Garcia, the backup. Now, he came in, in in the middle of the third. He looked good as well. Seven for seven, 88 yards, no turnovers. Now, he's not going to take over the role from Tyler Van Dyke, but if you're a Miami fan, you should feel good about the future of your program because you know you have a competent QB coming in behind him. Uh, let's go into the running backs here. It was an easy matchup. They seemed content with running the ball down their throats. Play calling wasn't creative. They won the trenches battle, like, extremely well now we're talking about henry Parrish here 14 for 108 and three a big night right now this running back core saw injuries to javante citizen Jalen knighton don cheney so i don't know how henry Parrish is going to perform moving forward but every running back in this backfield saw over six yards per carry that's four separate running backs 
Thaddeus Franklin went for nine for 78 and two. So how's this workload going to work out in the future? We'll have to find out next week. Now, the other question we've been looking for all offseason, the wide receiver core. Who's going to be leading the wide receiver core? We got the answer to that. It's going to be Xavier Restrepo, the quarterback's roommate. Who could see that one coming? Xavier Restrepo went for five for 100 and one touchdown and was clearly the first read in the offense. We also saw some, some good work from Will Mallory and from Elijah Arroyo, but they didn't seem too involved early on. So we'll have to stay tuned for that. Now let's roll over to Bethune Cookman, FCS school, a part of the Southwest. Oh, sorry, you have something to say, Felix? No, go ahead. Go ahead. All right. SCS school, a part of the Southwest Athletic Conference. I knew that off the top of my head. Did not have to look that up. I'll tell you that. Jalen Jones went 11 for 20, 243. One touchdown, one interception. Now, that looks like an okay stat line for SCS, but a lot of that production came after the second defense came in. So after the starters were all rested up, uh, he was injured but came back. Now, during the injury, we saw Tyrone Franklin. He came in for a relief. One for four, negative three yards, so not a passer. One interception here. Uh, but he scrambled four for 30 yards. Now, if you watch the game, that seemed to be where the success came from, with when the pocket broke down, which was every single play, and the quarterback got the scramble for some positive yardage. Uh, their leading receiver is Dylan. I didn't write down the last name, but he went eight, five for 83 <laughs> against this defense. You got to feel good about that for an SEC player. Uh, leading running back was Sean Bird going eight for 30. That's about how it wraps it up for uh, Bethune Colt Cookman versus Miami. Drop this video a like if you're watching. I want to get this video to 20. Can we get to 20 likes during the show? I'd appreciate that. If you like what we're doing, go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you, you don't miss any of our content, including the tailgate in the morning and College Fantasy Tonight uh, as you're watching this evening. Mike, you also covered Rice at USC. Now, I mean, the – migration from Norman to LA has been well documented. You've got Lincoln Riley going there. You got Mario Williams. They add the Bolitnikoff winner in Jordan Addison. How is this offense looking in that, uh, in those new colors? This offense looked great. They seem to pass the ball around pretty well here. It was a very even split. Now we had Caleb Williams here. He went for give me a second. 19 for 22, 249, and two touchdowns. No interceptions, and not only that, but he was also effective on the ground going six for 68, zero touchdowns. He looked great, and he kept his reads going. He wasn't a first-read offense. He seemed very comfortable with his new team. All, he spread the ball around well. Now, let's just go to running backs here real quick. Again, a nice, very even split here. We had Austin Jones, four for 48 and two. Relief Brown, true freshman getting on the field, six for 36 and one you also had Ty. My gosh, excuse me. Talk about disrespected. Relique, Relique Brown, generally disrespected by the campus to Canton crew. <laughs> He's a bit small. <laughs> it's a bit light. He found a lot of success going on jet sweeps. He went around the pile. It wasn't like a pile mover. And that's what we saw here in this game, too. We saw the USC offense use these guys in specific roles. We saw uh, Travis Dye be used in pass protection. He def Relique Brown was definitely not in there for pass protection. Austin Jones used for a little bit of both here. Like, they both look really great. Uh, the passing options. We saw a lot of work from Taj Washington. Now, that was a surprise for me. Was that a surprise for you, too, as well, Felix? I mean, Taj Washington's been a good player. He's a good player at Memphis. Um, he's just been kind of a little bit out of place. That being said, I, he it is a surprise. I mean, we thought that Mario Williams, Jordan Addison, and Brennan Rice would be the starters, that there wouldn't be room for a, a, a Taj Washington, a Michael Jackson. I don't even know if Michael Jackson's still on the roster, um, but but it was, it was. Hmm. Yeah, so again, they spread this ball around well. You know, Taj Mike, Washington. these are supposed to be like quick hitting segments we're supposed to go No, I'm going too deep into down. stuff. So, I mean, right, let know, me just hit, go let me hit Rice real quick. Why don't you, why don't you go okay. ahead, Mike? I mean, <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta talk go about Rice. They played the game. I can't go over what I was saying. Yeah, they got Chris McCaffrey's brother playing wide receiver, 5 for 51 in the first half. Look, if you're in a deep C2C league and you need a stash pick, Luke McCaffrey seems to be getting a really good floor, and if he goes 5 for 51 against USC starters. My, my main takeaway from this whole game, though, is that I am scared for the USC defense. They look bad, and Rice was very effective running the ball down their throat for the first half of the game, getting five yards a carry for a school who's like 4,000 students total. Like, that's pretty amazing. But anyway, sorry, that's it. That's my takeaway here. 
All right, we're going to give Mike a, a clock next week. We appreciate it, Mike. We'll come back to you here a little bit later in the show. Let's bring on Kevin Coleman. Kevin Coleman, of course, the co-host of the Debbie Royale and with Football Guys. Kevin, uh, you're subbing in for us today to cover Utah, Florida. I think that we wanted to watch this game for Cam Rising. We wanted to watch this game for Tavian Thomas. Those aren't really the reasons. We wanted to watch this game to see what Anthony Richardson would look like as the starter, and he did not disappoint. No, he played well. Um, you know, the last drive that we saw when he kind of came down 29-26 and, and they were able to pull it off, um, you know, he looked like Vince Young to me. Old school, like me and Felix are old enough to watch that game against USC, that last drive. Like, he looked like Vince Young to me. Just his ability to kind of lead his team. And I'm excited about that. He did well. He had 106 yards, three touchdowns on the ground, 168 yards passing. Um, I think a shout-out to, you know – his leadership and in Montreal Johnson and Trevor Etienne, both those guys really stepped up. Montreal had an early fumble, but he, he recovered, had a touchdown, six and a half average. He looked good. Um, and then Trevor Etienne getting five carries and 64 yards, and they leaned on him even after he fumbled on that last drive. Like, that's something to see for a true freshman. I really like that. He, he played well. He ran hard. He looked yeah. different than his brother. Um, we're going to talk about, as the weeks go on, the development of Anthony Richardson. It seemed like they ran a lot of screen plays to get him in rhythm, a lot of stuff behind the line of scrimmage. But he, at times, sat in that pocket and threw the ball down the field in the intermediate range between 12 and 15 yards. It seems like he's coming along somewhat from where he was at last year. Yeah, I think Napier's done a good job. That system is always going to be pretty good. I, I think Ricky Purcell, um, four catches, 67 yards. He was a big addition to that team from Arizona State. Like He gives them kind of that safety blanket, and he looked for him. And I thought he I thought he played well. And I, I think the thing with Richardson, though, you, he's going to still take some lumps in the in the passing game. I think when you're looking at that, um, he, he's got he's going to be more consistent. They have a big game against Will Levis next week, Kentucky. Like he, he, he's got to be more consistent, but Hey, he, he showed out tonight. I, I love to see it. I mean, he's right there for QB three of this class. Like there, there's no reason why he couldn't be there. Um, I have him ranked as 13th best player, um, draft eligible right now. So I had him pretty high already, but I think he showed out tonight. I think this is a big game for him. He needed a show and he did it. Mel Kuyper also has him being selected in the first round of the NFL draft. Yeah. He probably started a, you know, outside shot at a Heisman campaign tonight yeah. with this big win on a national stage versus the number 17, number 17, number seven team in the country. All right, Kevin, appreciate it. We will come back to you later on when we check in on the games still going while we're recording. Let's bring in Mr. Ohio State, Matt Bruning. Um, Matt, Notre Dame, Ohio State, just 17 points scored between these two teams early in the third quarter. It, 17 points was actually the spread in this game. With everything that Ohio State returned, we thought that we would see the Buckeyes run away with this one, and that wasn't necessarily the case. Not everybody thought that they were going to run away with this. I've been consistently saying Jim Knowles, while a great defensive coordinator, if you really look at what he's done, the first year he comes over and takes over a defense, that team does actually take a step back. While Ohio State has a lot of great talent on that defense, I was a little bit worried that they were going to take this massive step forward that everybody gave them, and they didn't. Uh, they struggled tonight, not just on defense. I actually think their defense was pretty good overall, where they struggled was on offense, and that was more, I think, a mixture of Ryan Day and C.J. Stroud trying to play a little bit too much uh, hero ball. We'll start with Notre Dame, though. Tyler Buckner, real his his first real start here in this, uh, this season, this game as an actual starter, 10 of 18, 177. No passing touchdowns or rushing touchdowns, which was not great to see. Really looked good, though, early on, and then I think when that defense really started to swarm him late in that game as they were forcing him to throw the ball, he really just did not seem to get much going. They really shut down the Renzo Styles outside of just one catch. It was, I believe, the first pass of the game. He hit or second pass of the game. He hits Lorenzo Styles for a 54 yarder actually against Denzel Burke. We talked a lot about that this morning on Better Sports Radio. I thought that was going to be a great matchup. And I thought Burke was going to slow Styles down. He ends up doing that, but I did think Mayer would have a big day. He ends up just getting 32 yards on five catches as well. And the running backs didn't do much either. Audric Estime, just 21 yards. Chris Tyree, 28. That I think is the biggest takeaway for me from the defensive side of things was. They typically gave up a lot on the ground last year, not quite so much in this in this matchup. 
and, and you know, the last time we saw Tyler Buckner starting was in 2018 as a sophomore in high school, and he ran for 1,500 yards in that season. We thought, if anything, Notre Dame would be able to rely on its offensive line and those running backs, but it wasn't the case today. They had a they had a hard time moving the football at all. For the Buckeyes side here, C.J. Stroud, I mean, at the end of the day, he put up numbers, 223 yards, two touchdowns, but it did not look great for most of this game, at least in my opinion. I think he he struggled a little bit too much. He didn't take some checkdowns. He tried to throw the ball deep a lot. Obviously, some of that comes with Jackson Smith and Jigba being hurt early on in the game. Julian Fleming was out from the start of the game, so they were down to their second and third string wide receivers. You see JSN just two catches for three yards. Marvin Harrison just five catches for 56. Mecca, though, had a big game. We've talked about it all off season if anything were to happen to julian fleming mecca would step into that spot i thought he'd produce he did nine for 90 and a touchdown uh travion henderson 91 yards on the ground mine williams 84 and a touchdown my williams did a really good job in that third quarter kind of giving them the closing lead. out the game yes when, give when him travion credit. henderson yeah hey look travion got hurt they pulled him Mayan williams came in that offensive line bulldozed and Mayan williams ran he probably should have had a big touchdown had he not stepped out of bounds tight rope in the sideline uh yes. but it was it was a great way he he was in my opinion the reason the Buckeyes ended up winning this game, driving down the field and getting that touchdown was big because Ohio State was struggling. Again, Austin, I didn't say the defense was bad. I said the offense was bad. Just saying. But it was it was not overall, in my opinion, a great game. For everybody who was saying they were going to blow them out, everybody picked Ohio State easily with the points, right? Give me the 16. You can pump it to 30. We'll take Ohio State. They didn't even put up 40 points. Like It, it was a tough game to watch. Mayan Williams probably has Debbie value, someone that is going to be an NFL player, but he's going to be inconsistent uh, week to week as far as uh, college fantasy, so you can find better options. But I say this a lot, mocked and ridiculed, but I've been mocked and ridiculed regarding my position on Mayan Williams, and you see that they needed him. They needed him to close out that game. Uh, that tough game and get those tough yards against Notre Dame today. He was, uh, you know, a bowling ball with full of knives uh, uh, on the field today. All right, Matthew, appreciate it. Do we do, did I miss one? I, we got your two games. Oh no, 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 Texas, but it's not Texas, over. Texas. I mean, yeah. it's practically the, over with. Um, it's it's still going, but tell us how Quinn Ewers looked today and uh, what, what the focus of that was. I was hoping we just could not talk about it. Uh, rumors are that Quinn was just okay. He was not great. Um, did have two oh, touchdowns, oh, oh. one oh, interception. Oh. Uh, was 200 off the top of my head. I don't exactly remember the numbers. There's 200. And 20-something yards. Bijan had 70 yards rushing. Uh, none of the receivers actually did everything in this one. I think Xavier Worthy had less than 20 yards, but Jatavian Sanders, 80 yards and a touchdown. So uh, they were. it was an easy game for them from everything I was told from the parts of the game I was able to watch. I got locked out. Apparently, YouTube TV doesn't uh, have Longhorn Network anymore, so I was trying to find different ways to watch the game. Uh, there was a lot of screen passes going on, which is not going to work next week against Alabama. But, uh, yeah. Not not a massive game. I thought he'd throw for close to 300, ends up only going for about 230. So, Well, I mean, his uh, Heisman campaign is getting off to a rocky start then, according to you, uh, Matt Burney. Let's move on here. Matt, appreciate it. Um, let's go to the draft class check-in with Barnabas Lee. Let's bring him back, our draft analyst. Barnabas, what did we learn from some of these high-profile non-conference games today? Yeah, so there were a couple things, you know, Matt might call Notre Dame at Ohio State a uh, tough game to watch, but you know, as a draft evaluator, it was an amazing game to watch, right? We get to see CJ Stroud play through some adversity. Obviously, playing without JSN was a big deal. Um, we saw how these younger guys stepped up, but more importantly, we saw how Stroud was forced to try to elevate these guys. And so that, that was really interesting to see. Um, we also got to see things like uh, Brandon Joseph. He was used in a variety of different ways. He, at some point, he was returning punts as well for Notre Dame. So that was a big deal as well. Um, Fos Isaiah Foskey was around the ball a whole lot. And uh, and so, you know, we, we were hearing him all the time. Uh, so we, we see all these guys perform in big, high-pressure situations. at Oregon, Even Oregon at uh, Georgia, you know, we're – we're seeing these things where we're looking at traits. And so we see like Kenny McIntosh, not only was he rushing, he was catching the ball. Is he the next James Cook? Uh, and, you know, despite the domination, you look at the stat line, Oregon gave up zero sacks. This was a highly touted offensive line that came in. And this, and obviously, you know, the Georgia defense is stellar as well, but they gave up zero sacks, which, you know, might be some sort of combination of a number of things, but 
the important thing is we are seeing these high high tier players performing in high pressure situations no matter what the game script goes like and they're they're showing why they're considered high draft picks and so a lot of proving grounds as well as you know someone like paris johnson who's never played left tackle before kick out and actually play pretty decently yeah uh and notre dame ohio state um or or well, what are we going here to next how should we react to those that underperformed overperformed to their expectations sure yeah so like like i just mentioned like the important thing is we look at trades right it's a long season we can look at production at the end of the season uh right now the the numbers aren't telling us whether someone is draftable or not what what it is telling us is okay what the how the numbers are telling us how the game went and we look at individual things within the game to look at the traits for example you know anthony richardson looked awesome in that game but the play that sticks out to me is that two-point conversion near the end of the game where the cop pocket completely breaks down. And Anthony Richardson has poise almost seems like too weak of a word, just stands there, cools a cucumber, and just drills that two-point conversion to a receiver that's standing still in the back corner of the end zone. Right? Like we are seeing traits out of these guys that um, aren't necessarily our guys that are uh, established from past production, right? On the other hand, look at someone who underperformed, like someone Dev like Devin Leary, who was against a fairly average defense, but more importantly, he couldn't score when he was in the red zone. He wasn't. He couldn't score when they were when it mattered. And those inaccuracy and the panic when the when that pocket isn't exactly as clean as he wants it to be. Um, those are the traits that we're looking at. And maybe I think Devin Leary's stock goes down. But once again, it's week one. We can't totally overreact. We're not dropping anyone off our boards. We may be moving people around one or two spots, and we are, but most importantly, we are looking at traits and how that affects our evaluation of these players. Devin Leary, one of these dark horses to potentially be, you know, a rel maybe not a first round pick, but a at least a day two pick, um, didn't get off to the most impressive start today. So we'll, we will uh, be tracking that and we'll be, uh, 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 talking to you every week, Barnabas, so we can keep track of what's going on for the draft. All right. We appreciate it. Let's go now to, it is nearly impossible to cover everything in an hour show and so that's why we out we go to hannah page um uh, every week to keep an eye on what is going on in the g5 hannah page is our creative lead so it's, it's a segment we call the g5 minute here we go hey everyone this is hannah page with the g5 minute each week, I bring you highlights specifically from the group of five, as well as major G5 producers for the day. Enough about Ohio State, Georgia, and Bama. You want to hear about App State and UTSA, don't you? So let's start off with UCF quarterback John Rice Plumley. Mikey Keene was the starter last season after now Oklahoma Sooner Dylan Gabriel went down. While Keene was at starter, UCF went 7-3, and three, which included a big bowl win over Florida. So it was kind of assumed that Keene as incumbent would win the starting nod. However, it ultimately went to the Ole Miss transfer, John Rice Plumley. This surprised a lot of people and even fans. He was a quarterback turned wide receiver while at Ole Miss. He didn't know the playbook as well as Keene, yada, yada, yada. So against South Carolina State, Plumley went 20 of 31, for 308 yards, 9.9 .9 yards per pass attempt, and four touchdowns. He led the ground game as well with 15 carries for 86 yards, 5.7 yards per carry, and one touchdown. He did, however, have one fumble, but overall 394 total yards and five touchdowns is a really solid debut. I mean, yeah, it's SC State, it's FCS but I'd still keep my eye on him. Will his improved accuracy and speed show up against Louisville next week? That's to be determined. Next up, the entire state of North Carolina delivered quality college football. I really don't know what we did to deserve such a blessing. East Carolina lost by one to NC State while UNC and App State played I think a basketball game, which ended up in a score of 63 to 61 and a Tar Heel victory. So while we're on it, let's talk about App State quarterback Chase Bryce. 
He went 28 to 38 for 361 yards, six touchdowns, four of which were explosive pass plays for 107 yards, which is 26.75 yards per pass and one interception. So that's nine and a half yards per pass attempt, an EPA per play of 0.48, a total EPA of 20.2, success rate of 52%, and a win probability added of 65%. That's give or take because ESPN's play-by-play and box scores have been a bit wonky for this game. I know UConn is independent, but I make the rules on this segment. So UConn sophomore running back Nathan Carter. He's taken the first two games of the season by storm. In game one against Utah State, he had 20 carries for 190 yards, a whopping nine and a half yards per carry. And he backed up that game one performance with 23 carries, 123 yards, 5.3 yards per carry, and one touchdown against Central Connecticut. Right now, he's second nationally with 313 total yards, which is already 54% of his yards from 2021. The next four weeks against the likes of Syracuse, Michigan, NC State, and Fresno State will be a big test. But he could definitely post another 100-plus yard game in the last six games of the season. The only way he gets there, though, is if the rest of the UConn offense pulls their weight. I am not sure if they can do that. To round out this segment, I'm going to choose my play of the week as well as game of the week. For play of the week, I'm going Houston quarterback Clayton Toon's front flip two-point conversion to defeat UTSA 37-35 in triple overtime. For game of the week, I'm going James Madison. In their FBS debut, the Dukes defeated Middle Tennessee 44-7. Picking James Madison is twofold. I get to talk about them as a new team to the FBS, as well as highlight some potential playmakers in Colorado State transfer quarterback Todd Centeno and receiver Chris Thornton. Centeno went 21 of 33 for 287 yards, 8.7 yards per pass attempt, and six passing touchdowns. And if that's not enough, he had 14 carries for 110 yards, 7.9 yards per carry. Thornton had 12 receptions, 155 yards, 12.9 yards per catch, and three touchdowns. I know it's game one, week one for James Madison, and they played Middle Tennessee, but still, this could be a really good team, and I think we'll know a little bit more when they play App State on, it looks like, Saturday, September 24th. That's it for the G5 Minute. See you next week. All right, Hannah, we appreciate it. Let's bring in the panel. There's a lot that went down today, um, a lot to cover. I, I think we should start here with Drake May having his second really big performance. Gentlemen, FAMU, App State, is that enough that we should elevate him into whatever tier? I mean, it, it seems like he might deserve to uh, to receive a bump in our rankings do you all agree, or are we still playing a wait-and-see with Drake May? Go ahead, Mike. I know you're the big May guy. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I'm a huge May fan. I already had him at QB9 in our Debbie rankings uh, preseason here. Uh, he has that NFL size, like the 6'5", that's the prototypical, like, you know, just just passer that you need in the NFL. He, and he looked good. He looked apart. So the first game, sure, some inaccuracies. And then I said in our podcast, like, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, and I'll tell myself that he was just trying to keep the ball away from the defense, and that's why he was throwing low and making these ridiculous slick throws. This next game, he looked a little bit more accurate to me, and his decision-making looked really good too. I, I really do like Drake May a lot as a player here, and it's not like this game like got out of hand because it was his fault. It was the defense's fault. So, I, again, like I already had him as QB4 in the class, so now my question to myself is do I move him above Jackson Dart? Like, that's the question I'm going to ask myself this week. 
Sorry, I'm oh, QB4 in his class, by the way, not overall. The, the thing about May that I think is impressive is his ability to succeed in different situations. You see him throw calmly from the pocket, do that consistently. You see him throw off platform. And then he has the improvis- improvisational skills that when the pocket does break down, he can get out and run or he can get out and, uh, and, and find an open receiver. I think we saw on the touchdown pass, well, I mean, the second touchdown pass today where they ran the uh the fake flare out and then the uh, backside post like that that there's not a lot of space there in the red zone that's a different type of throw that's a difficult throw in the red zone the red zone he used his eyes to create um uh the the space for that particular throw and so you know i think i i know i have him in the top 20 somewhere but when i start looking at my rankings and i look at like what spencer rattler did today Drake May's got to go up, Matthew. I mean, he we got to start considering him to be someone we should be invested in. Yeah, I mean, second week in a row that I'm going to say I've had him at QB11. He He's not moving. It's hard to move him a higher than that, at least in my opinion. There's probably one quarterback that I have ranked obscenely high that I could probably move down uh, under him. But, I mean, again, it was a great game. I think the biggest test for me is going to be when he plays Clemson. That's the game I want to see right now because – App State, definitely a tough opponent, but it's still not any kind of top-tier defense that I'm going to really judge him on. Now, he made some NFL throws in this game as well. We talked about that one. I believe it was to Josh Downs in the end zone in uh, against FAMU. Yeah. This one, again, the, the throw you just talked about, there was one over the middle he made as well. Like he, He's got NFL throws already two weeks in on tape, so I, I am excited about him. I'm not quite as ha- as excited as, as Mike is, but it definitely has the size. He used his legs a little bit more today, too. He's a very intriguing player, and we know that Phil Longo has a really good offense. We saw it with a guy like Sam Howell who ended up getting fifth-round draft capital. I think if May continues to do this for the next two years, he's going to be a highly-rated quarterback and probably get drafted over some of the guys in his class we currently have ranked over him. Kevin Barnabas, anything on Drake May? Any impressions, takeaways? I like Drake. I I like Drake last year. I think – sorry, buddy. But I think the biggest thing with him is – he has made some throws, but he's also been low on some throws. And his arm strength is worrisome in a few throws out there. Like, when you watch him, like, he's just got to develop. Mm-hmm. I think he's got to get stronger. Like, he looks yeah. like he's not he's strong thin. enough yet. Yeah, he's yeah. got to take some of my weight. Like, he's got to get out there a little bit. Like, because once he does that, I think he'll be there. He needs another year, though. I mean, he's got to go there. And that defense is so bad. Like, he's going to have a lot <laughs> of throws out there. So, I think that I think he looks fine. But if you look at the class of that he's in, there's a lot of openings right now in that class. Like Kyle's hasn't played yet. JJ is he'll play soon. <laughs> we'll talk about that at some point. Dart is out there. Dart looked okay today. Like there's really opening for him. So I, I'm excited. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned his build. It, he could probably borrow a little bit of that mass from his brother. Um, but uh, you know. Speaking of defenses, you know, he has a bad defense, but he's been playing against fairly bad defenses. App State probably has maybe one edge that's probably draftable. Um, but, you know, even FAMU is missing their best defensive player. So um, I'm excited to see him play against actual actual defenses coming up. Let's talk about Anthony Richardson. Um we talked a little bit about him earlier, but just showed kind of the athleticism that we knew he had. We saw him complete a higher number, uh, higher percentage of his passes used at the goal line. He, he still needs reps because the level of difficulty on a lot of this throws wasn't actually there. We behind the line of scrimmage, short stuff, you know, one read type stuff, but he did, he did have um, the moments where he stood in the pocket. It might've been one or two, but he stood in the pocket he, ste- he stepped up and he made, you know, a, a, a throw 10 to 15 yards down the field. If he can continue to do that, if he can elevate his game and Utah, one of the better teams that he'll play, even though he's there in the SEC, if he can t- continue to develop, we might be talking about Anthony Richardson being, I mean, Mel Kuyper already is, but solidifying first round NFL draft capital because of all the tools that he has, it seems unlikely that an NFL team is just going to pass up on that type of specimen. Yeah. 
it's why I hate evaluating Anthony Richardson. I love it for the C2C format because he's going to score you a ton of points. And as you just mentioned, he's likely going to get first round draft capital because of the talent and the tools, at which point I think I'm moving him because I just don't know what to think about him again. Mike was just talking with uh, Alfred on Twitter about it. I mean, he did have good stats. It was 17 to 24, I believe, for 178 yards, but zero passing touchdowns, guys. Zero. And you said that he had a couple. I remember one distinct throw that went for more than like 10 yards. He had a lot of screens. That's not going to work in the NFL. And granted, again, it's one game. It is one game against a very good defense. Maybe that's what they had planned on doing. So I'm not going to take too much from. I thought I I didn't realize I had him as high as I did. I went to look at my QB ranks while we're watching the game. I have him as QB eight overall. So it's not like I'm super low on him. I just what's going to happen now because he did. Kevin mentioned it in the rundown perfectly. Like he, this was a game for him. Like he stepped up leadership. He led them on those drives and scored and won them that game. I know the defense sealed it with a pick. But Richardson was leading that offense. He was the offense. People are going to start talking on Twitter about him being QB1 in this class. I just don't see that. <laughs> He's not the passer that Stroud and Young are, and I think that matters more when it goes to the, when he goes to the NFL. He, it, it's a, it, if he had the if Will Levis had the athleticism that Anthony Richardson does, then I'm like, oh yeah, Will Levis is a potential first round draft pick. It's almost it's very similar as far as what uh, they're the the plays that the coaches call for them. Will Levis elevated his draft profile with a lot of screens. We saw that today with Anthony Richardson. Um, I want to move on here, and I don't know who saw Ole Miss play. We thought it could be Luke Altmaier. It was actually Jackson Dart who got the start. But this was this was not you know the explosive offense that we had come to see between Matt Corral and Lane Kiffin. And even what we saw at times from Jackson Dart at USC – it, it wasn't there. Are we over? Is this just one game, uh, Mike, or are we overrating uh, Jackson Dart? I don't know if I'm qualified to comment on this because I didn't get to get to watch the old Miss team yet. So I'm sorry. This we are doing. Let me just bad. let's just it, was it wasn't that bad. Just like Matt, the show. Relax. Just like the show today. We're doing a terrible job. But, it it uh, wasn't that bad. The, right. I watched a little bit of the show. Like I. I think he he still I still feel like he's timid. Like I feel like he's worried about making mistakes in that lane offense. And I think that since Altmaier is going to start next game, I think that's what they said on the broadcast. Like I think he had that there. He looked okay, um, but my biggest concern for him coming from USC is that he liked to he liked to throw it in coverage a lot, and he had a lot of mistakes. And I think uh, he kind of was in that USC offense last year was like that. I think he he had an interception today, and I, I I don't know if it's his job yet. So and but I when I when I talked about this earlier. Um, on my show, we were talking about like he, his value could dip hard. If he doesn't win that job, he's getting drafted as like QB five. And like, that's going to just, you're never going to get value back for dart, no matter what, unless he just goes eight next year. Um, so you're really sweating right now. If you have dart on a team, you so should trade Jackson dart for Drake man. That one. I don't think you can now. Yeah, you can't not with the performance he's had two weeks a week ago. So that's what, what worries me, Kevin, because you're right. He was timid, and I think that's because he knows Altmaier's getting the start next week, and it's not his job. He comes from, and I don't know if this is just a corner canyon thing, but Zach Wilson, Devin Brown, Jackson Dart, all corner canyon quarterbacks, all gunslingers. He's not allowed to do what makes him good because he's afraid he's going to lose that job. So I think that's what the issue was in this game, and if you're not allowed to do that, if Altmaier goes out there and just manages the offense, which is what the reports were all spring, Altmaier's doing a great job of managing the offense. He's not throwing risky balls. He's not having turnovers. And then they end up going to him as a starter. Like, it's going to crush Dart's confidence more than likely, and he's going to lose all the value. So that's where this him, Michigan, all that stuff with the bouncing back and forth QBs just makes no sense. To me. All right. One last question here is, do you all have someone who is moving either up or down in your rankings? I mean – uh, I can actually start here with it's a couple. Mine Williams, um, the way he ran today. Again, I don't think that he is a someone that you can start necessarily in campus to Canton. But as far as NFL is his NFL draft capital, I, I think he has the potential to be drafted on day two. And even if it's not late day two, early day three, a, fir- a fourth round draft pick, I don't think that that's terrible for a running back. He is. Uh, uh, a, a really good between the tackles grinder. I think that he can potentially catch the ball. Um, 
just a player that if you have them, he's probably going to be a value because I think he's going to get drafted. I mean, they had to go to him to close out the game today against Notre Dame, and he was lowering his shoulder, stiff arming, you know, turning his legs. Uh, so Mayan Williams would be a guy who's moving in my rankings. Uh, somebody else talk here. Who's moving? Yeah, I'll go ahead. I'm going to be moving over Heem Sanders here. Uh, he's right now on my RB5 in the class. My concern here was it was going to be a rotational back. So I was, you know, I, I care about backfield dominator and how much touches they're going to get. I don't, I don't want split workloads. I, I don't really care about hyper-efficient running backs that get like six rushing attempts a game. I mean, it's not, it's not really sustainable. But he had the full workload today. He looked good against the Cincinnati defense, who did lose a lot of pieces to the draft. So I do have to say that. But it's, it's an established system here. So I was impressed with his rushing ability. We already knew that he was a capable receiver. I think I'm be moving up Raheem Sanders to probably like my RB3 in the class for 2024. So be moving him up. I really do like him a lot. Trying to think the Arizona guys and Tet McMillan and Jacob Cowing. I know Cowing, I believe, had at least two, possibly three touchdowns. Tet McMillan broke his year one zero, so I'm very happy about that. So we can get past that stuff. So all the year one zero guys, Barry and Brown, I believe Mike had a really good game. I did not get a chance to watch the Kentucky game, but I believe he had a really good game. Uh, but Jonah Coleman, a running back that I was talking a lot about out of Arizona, had a really good day as well. Like all those guys had a good game uh, against a San Diego defense that is considered fairly good most of the time. Nobody was expecting Arizona. Arizona to beat them. They go in there, win that game. I'm bumping all those guys up my rankings. I think they were all very good. I'm going to give a shout out to CJ Johnson from ECU. He came back. He, he's, he's back. And I, hey, you know what? 6'2, 222, and he had 90 yards of touchdown. Like, I think realistically, in NFL, I mean, he, he could maybe slip into that day two draft capital at the end. Like, and uh, to give him a shout out today, I, I like seeing him back. Remember, last year he was supposed to be a stud and we just disappeared. I, I have a little bit of a deeper dive. Um, Jaden McGowan looks like maybe the number two option in that Vanderbilt offense. And he's a freshman. And at 5'8", we didn't expect that much from him. Maybe only slot production. The dude has been actually going, um, you know, pretty well the past couple of weeks. And it, obviously, we'll see what happens when we hit SEC competition. But um, young kid that's that's putting up some numbers. Um, and obviously, I, I guess one player that's moving, well, players that are moving down my rankings is anyone from that uh, Iowa uh, offense. I know, I know we didn't talk about that game, but, uh, I think it deserves mentioning that anyone in Iowa's offense is, is all the way to the bottom of the list now. I, I do. Oh, Felix, you were muted you up, muted, by the way, Felix. Felix, but I do want to mention one more. I'm going to steal the spotlight here. Uh, Ja'Cory Brooks. Uh, I know I talked about him. I'm back to Debbie here, but I don't, I haven't dropped him yet. And now that I've seen him not hit the field the way we all were hoping to the whole off season, I'm asking myself, how far do I drop him? So, that's some way that I'm going to – he's going to fall. I just don't know how far You yet. can't drop him from your team. You mean drop him in your rankings, right? Yes, correct. Drop him yeah. in my rankings. All right, just to, just to clarify. All right, get out of here. Everybody except for Kevin, get out of here. Ooh. We check in with Kevin Coleman to uh, get a uh, just a breakdown and status on some of the games that are going on as we're speaking. We're just going to cover two today. Uh, Iowa – Idaho at Washington State – Kevin, the reason why we want to talk about this game is specifically how Cameron Ward is looking. We're very high on Cameron Ward. We're very, very high on that offense, bringing in Eric Morris from Incarn Incarnate Ward. Eric Mor Morris, an assistant under both Mike Leach and Cliff Kingsbury. Um, this one is – we're probably early in this game. How is it looking? So it's in the third, actually. It's 17-10 Washington State, which is probably a lot closer than Washington State fans want. But our boy Cameron Ward, and I love him because he's my guy too. He's he's uh, 20 for 30, 200 yards and two touchdowns. And he also has 22 yards rushing. So you know what? I'm all on the board of Cameron Ward because NC2C is going to be – I never understood people that like they draft him like fifth, sixth round and like, oh, that's a reach. No, he's always going to be a great C2C quarterback for two years or he's going to bust out this year and then you have like an NFL upside guy or next year. So he looks really good. Good. Donovan Ollie's the lead reception right now. He has got seven receptions, 64 yards. Lincoln Victor, 63 yards, three receptions. And Stribling has the touchdown. Bernard Bell has a touchdown as well, but they only have about 20 yards receiving. So Cameron Ward going to be one of these guys that you can start, you know, a game starting at maybe 10 o'clock Eastern time. Yep. You go to bed and you wake up and Cameron Ward's may have scored you a bunch of points uh, to get you a win and you're on the college side of your C2Cs. Let's move here to Boise State at Oregon State. 
I think we're trying to figure out how that Oregon State running uh, that that backfield is going to shake out. And then for Boise, um, uh, uh, Stefan Cobbs is is someone that we're paying attention to. So how is this game shaking? Well, out? Boise is awful tonight, Felix. Uh, it's uh, mm-hmm. end of the second, seventeen zero Oregon State, which is kind of a shock actually. Uh, Bachmeyer has two interceptions. No one has more than 10 yards rushing on that rushing backfield. And in receiving wise, Halani has the most with 35 yards. Uh, Cobbs doesn't have a catch. Um, it's pretty awful on the offensive side for, for Boise. On the other side, Oregon, you know, a chance Nolan's got two touchdowns and 223 yards. So he's he's crushing it. Luke Musgrave is a guy that I've highlighted before. Tight end, four catches, 66 yards, and a touchdown. He's going to be one of those tight end, 6'5 guy that we just see in the NFL. Um, Anthony Gould has two receptions, 69 yards. But the rushing attack, they have – Fenwick has the most carries. He only has 11 yards, four carries, 11 yards. Damian Martinez, the true freshman, we all kind of like uh, three carries, nine yards. So they haven't really got anything going on the ground, but in the air, they're crushing it, which is funny because Oregon State tried to get JT Daniels and all these guys to go there and no one and everybody spurned them. And then Chance just came back and looks like he's having a good game. And Chance started last year as a freshman. So um, yeah. we'll, we'll see how he develops. It might be someone that we need to need to pay closer attention to kevin coleman thank you for staying up with us we appreciate you checking in and we'll get back with you next week appreciate it all right man. see you guys all right all right um matt yes that was a rough one that was a rough one. it was not not our great best show it was not our best show, <laughs> not our best show. <laughs> um next week we'll be better probably not but um next week we'll be better matthew yeah there's really one storyline to talk about next week, at least in my opinion, and that's Texas, Alabama. Mm -hmm. I think, I don't know that this Alabama team is necessarily the juggernaut, at least on offensively that we've seen in previous years. And so if we can get, you know, the best game possible from Quinn Ewers, from Xavier Worthy, Tavian Sanders, B. John Robinson, this one might be competitive or it might be like, Oregon Georgia today I honestly think it's going to be Oregon Georgia I just I did not get a chance to watch a lot of this game but I have a very good friend who is at the game and he was not happy uh if I'm being a hundred percent transparent I was told that people were booing Quinn Ewers that's uh that's that's how the game went for him uh so it was not it was not a pretty game apparently it was a, a lot of what AR15 dealt with today they said there was there was a lot of screens that he was throwing he really wasn't challenging the ball down the field you're not going to beat Alabama like that now none of us expected them to beat Alabama but I I I won't lie I secretly hoped it would at least be a you know 14 point game like something close I feel like it's going to end up being like what we saw today out of Georgia Alabama it, it's not going to be pretty or Georgia, I'm sorry, Georgia, Oregon. You know what? That's the appropriate way to end this show tonight. That's the pro. That's how we're. That's the cap that we'll put on it. Um, of course, pay, <laughs> come back next week. We'll we'll pro- we promise we'll be better. We'll be more organized. Um, lots of lots of folks, lots of players to consider for campus to Canton's freshman of the week and player of the week. I have no idea who they are going to be, um, but tune in. We will release that Monday morning at some point. All right. Until then, good night. Peace.